Grace, mercy, and peace be to you from God our Father and from our Lord and our Savior Jesus Christ. Our text for this morning's message is going to be taken from Paul's letter to the Corinthians, beginning in chapter 8. You may be seated. Let's say a word of prayer. Father in heaven, we give you thanks that you have blessed us abundantly, Lord, in so many ways. And Lord, today we hear your call for us to be generous with the resources you have provided for us. Help us to hear your word in faith and to give as you have given to us. Grant us this for Jesus' sake. And now, Lord, let the words of my mouth and the meditation of our hearts be pleasing in your sight, O Lord, our rock and our redeemer. In Jesus' name, amen. Now, this past Tuesday, Stephanie and I celebrated our 14th wedding anniversary, which we were very excited about. Uh, we celebrated by me going to a district convention, so that was really romantic and fun. Um, we did go out the night before, so everything was okay. Uh, but, you know, it was, it's been a wonderful 14 years, and I am truly blessed. My wife is a remarkable woman. She's an incredibly patient woman, uh, and, and I am blessed <laughs> uh, beyond what I could possibly imagine with Stephanie. Uh, but she has a problem, I think. <laughs> now, that problem is me, okay, just so we're clear on this. The problem that she has is, is that she's married a man <laughs> who, is, who is not handy in the slightest. Like, I can't fix things. I can't repair things. I'm good at demolition which is a fancy way of saying I can break stuff, like I'm good at that, uh, but when it comes to fixing and repairing, that's not really my wheelhouse, and so stuff kind of doesn't get fixed all the time around our place. But that's why it's such a blessing for us uh, when my father-in-law, Steve, comes to visit. Steve lives up in uh, uh, British Columbia, Vancouver, and so when he comes, it's always a wonderful blessing to our house because stuff actually gets fixed and stuff gets done. It's really quite a nice thing, uh, and, and he's amazing at this. He's incredibly handy. Like, he's not just handy. There's times I think he might be magic because <laughs> of the stuff he can fix and the things he can do. Like, with everything we do at that place, he knows the right tool to use. He knows the right materials to use. Uh, he's the sort of guy who can envision a project and then make that project into a reality. I can do that if I have Lego instructions in front of me, but that's as far as it goes. Uh, he, is, he is kind of a, a miracle worker with this stuff. And one of the things I love is when he comes down to do work on our house and to fix stuff and to build stuff, what he'll do is he will actually be kind enough to include me in on the project. And he will put a tool in my hands, and he will say, here's what you need to do with this tool. I want you to go over there. We built a deck last time he came out. I want you to go over there. I want you to drill these boards in. This is how it's going to go. And then I do it. Now, it would be kind of strange, given my capabilities, if as soon as he put that tool into my hand, I said, I'm not listening to you. This is now my tool. I'm going to do what I want with this tool. I'm going to use it my way. Because if I use it my way, that would be foolish, right? I would ruin everything. So the smart thing to do, the wise thing to do, is to watch the expert do what he tells me, follow in his footsteps, and carry out the work. And when I do that, things, for the most part, go well. Things go well. Well, today as we come to our reading from 2 Corinthians, Paul, St. Paul, is writing to the church in Corinth, and he's telling them, he's giving them instructions on how to use tools that God has placed into their hands. Now, here's the thing with tools. Tools are not an end unto themselves, right? Like, you don't buy a hammer to hang a hammer on the wall and look at how nice the hammer is. You buy a hammer so that you can drive nails into the wall, so that you can build things and make things. You don't buy a wrench to polish the wrench, to show off the wrench, to brag about your wrench. 
Rather, you buy a wrench to tighten and loosen bolts. And I'm sure there's other things you can do with the wrench that I have no idea what to do. But you buy these tools with a goal, with an end in mind. Tools are a means to an end. Well, today, Paul is talking to the Corinthians about particular tools that God has placed in their hand. Only they're not tools like a hammer or like a wrench. Rather, the tools God has placed into the hands of the Corinthians is their money. It's their money. Money is a tool that God gives to us. It is not an end unto itself. I know this is hard to believe because many of us work and live our lives in order to do what? Make more money. But that's not what it's for. Money is not something to be held onto and showed off, something to be greedy for. Rather, money is a gift. It is a tool. That means it has a goal or an end in mind. God has placed money in our hands so that we use it. But very often, we're kind of like me with tools on my own when it comes to our money. We don't know what to do with it. We want to hoard it. We want to get more of it. We want to show it off. We want to boast about how much we have. We're always greedy for more, and yet we're never satisfied with what we've been given. So we need some instructions, and we need some guidance in how to use the tools that God has given to us. We need to be given some direction. The Corinthians had this problem. Apparently, they were a rather affluent congregation. God had blessed them abundantly. And so Paul says, now that you have all of these tools, all of these resources, you need to know how to use them. And let me give you an example of somebody who actually knows what they're doing with these things. And he points them to another church, a church in a place called Macedonia. Now, the Macedonians apparently uh, were, were uh, uh, less well-off than the Corinthians, a bit more impoverished, but they were more resourceful. That is, they were better at using their tools. And so Paul says, that's the example you want to follow. That's the group you want to look to. And he says this. Listen to how Paul describes the handiwork of the Macedonians today. He writes, We want you to know, brothers, about the grace of God that has been given among the churches of Macedonia. For in a severe test of affliction, their abundance of joy and their extreme poverty have overflowed in a wealth of generosity on their part. For they gave according to their means, as I can testify, and beyond their means, of their own free will, begging us earnestly for the favor of taking part in the relief of the saints. And this, not as we expected, but they gave themselves first to the Lord, and then, by the will of God, to us. Apparently this church in Macedonia was suffering from a great affliction, Yet in their hardship and in their lack, in their suffering and in their extreme poverty, Paul writes, they gave. They gave generously. They gave abundantly. And, and we sit there and we go, wow, how could somebody give from poverty? But I'll tell you, the longer I'm a pastor, the more I'm amazed by this. Is that what you find in congregations is the people who seem to be suffering more or the people who seem to be in a, in a worse situation are the people who tend to be uh, the most generous, the most willing to give, the most willing to serve. There's a lot of folks who are bound to their homes and they don't feel like there's anything they can do to the church. And so for them, or for the church, I should say, and so for them, it is a great joy to be able to give. It's their opportunity to serve and, and, they, and they love that opportunity. This line where he says uh, that this church in Macedonia was begging to give. I've seen that before in the saints, and it's a remarkable thing to watch. This is the way the Macedonians were. They were suffering, but in faith. 
They gave to the church. They gave to the needs of the church. Here's a church, Paul says, that knows what to do with the tools and the resources they've been given. They know this truth, that everything they have in this life is a gift from God. They recognize that old catechism truth, uh, that God has created us and has given us everything that we have. He has given us our eyes and our ears and our nose and our, our mouth and our tongue, and he has given us all of our members, and he has given us everything that we have in this life. And what he has given us is to be used for the sake of others. Whether it's time or talents, which we talk about a lot, or here in this particular text today, we're talking about our treasures. All of these things are an opportunity for us to testify to the fact that God has been generous and loves us and cares for us. So what Paul does today is he turns to the Corinthians, he says, okay, you guys, now that we've seen what the Macedonians are doing with their tools, why don't we open up your toolbox and see what he's given you, all right? So he says this, but as you excel in everything, and he starts to list all the things God has given them, as you excel in everything, in faith, in speech, in knowledge, in all earnestness, and in our love for you, which is a remarkable verse, see that you excel in this act of grace also. Excel in this act of grace means being generous uh, with the resources you've been given. What I think is interesting about this particular passage as Paul is listing uh, the gifts that God has given to the Corinthian church is how much it lines up with sort of what we're trying to do here at CLC with our discipleship. We say at CLC, a disciple is somebody who hears the word of God in worship, who learns the word of God uh, in Bible study, and who, for, who cares for everybody in their life that God has given to them. We hear, we learn, we care. And look, exactly this is what the Corinthians had been given. Paul says they excel in faith and in speech. That is, that speech is probably referring to preaching. That is, they have the word of God. And because they have that word, they hear that word, and now they are strong in faith because faith comes through hearing. They gather to hear the word of God. They are excelling in knowledge. Why? Because they've learned the word of God together. They're studying what God has said, and they're growing in their knowledge of him. And now as they hear and they learn, they also have this wonderful gift, Paul writes, that we love you, the care that they receive from the church around them. There are others who care for them. Well, now with all of these gifts, this should now, uh, should now uh, take a shift for them in their lives. So that hearing and learning and caring, they start to care for others. They start to care with their means. They start to care for the church by being generous. Now, whenever we talk about this, whenever we talk about giving to the church, giving to anybody really in need, the question in our minds is always this. How could I do more? I'm already spread pretty thin. I'm already uh, giving my money to the places it needs to go. God has given me money so that I can do things like pay my bills and put food on the table and clothes on my back. And I depend uh, on money for these things. So how can I give more when I depend so much on having this money for my lifestyle? And see, here's where I think we can learn from the Macedonians. Because in, the, in their poverty, the Macedonians realize something. They don't depend on money for their lifestyle. They depend on God. God is who we depend on, not our finances. And God gives us what we need. He provides for us our daily bread. We don't depend on our daily bread. We depend upon God to provide it. And once we realize this, once we realize uh, who this God is, who we are depending on, we know we can boldly be generous because we know God is going to take care of us. 
If he watches over the lilies of the field and the birds of the air, of course he's going to watch over us. How much more does he love us than them? What the Macedonians had and what they realized is that this God who cares for them and provides for them is a God who's going to work pretty hard to love them, is a God who is generous towards them. In other words, the Macedonians knew the gospel. They knew the gospel of Jesus. Jesus, this this God who sees us in our poverty, who sees us suffering in our spiritual lack, who sees us sinful and bound for death and decides to do something about it. So he leaves the riches and the wealth and the glory of heaven behind and he puts himself in our flesh so that he might become poor and suffer and die for us on the cross. And so that he might purchase us from death. Not with gold or silver, but with his own precious blood. Listen to what Paul writes. For you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, that for your sake he became poor, so that you, by his poverty, might become rich. The Lord Jesus left his glory behind and sacrificed everything, his own life, the riches of heaven, his own life. He sacrificed on the cross for you. He became rich. He became poor so that you might enjoy the riches of heaven. And the Macedonians knew that if God was willing to go that far for them, if God was willing to sacrifice all of that for their spiritual well-being, he would most certainly provide for them in their material well-being. He would most certainly provide for them the daily bread that they need. He's going to feed them with his spiritual body and blood and the bread and the wine. If he's going to feed them and nourish them with the gospel, he'll certainly feed and nourish them with bread and water. They know that they have a generous God, and this empowers them and emboldens them to give generously. And what this does for us when we start to learn this sort of thing is we learn that when we give, when we're generous with what we have, God does some pretty amazing things for us and through us. Two things really come to mind today. The first thing is this, is that when we give generously, what we find is that others are blessed. Others are blessed. God works through us to bless other people. What happens is we see people in need, and when we have the ability to meet that need, that person is blessed, and what happens in return is we are blessed also, not perhaps with more money or something like this, but with the joy of serving and giving and helping somebody else out. And there's great joy in that sort of generosity. So when we give, the first thing that happens is, is, is we are blessed through that. Others are blessed through that. We love as Christ has loved us. Second thing that happens, though, when we give generously is this. God strengthens our faith. God strengthens our faith. See, here's the thing. God doesn't care about your money. God doesn't care about your money. He cares about your heart. He cares about your faith. And he knows that your heart and your faith are bound too much to your money. And so he says, give it away. Get rid of it. Give it to those in need. Give it to the church so that ministry can continue to thrive. Give it to those to help the kingdom of God spread throughout the world. Give it away and watch what I do with it and watch what I do for you. Watch how I continue to care for you and provide for you in ways that you cannot possibly hope or imagine. And God challenges us then to strengthen our faith. He challenges our faith by calling us to be generous so that he can continue to bless us. So here at Community Lutheran Church, we actually need to be asking ourselves the question, what does my giving look like? 
Me, personally, do I give generously out of faith? Or or do I withhold a little bit out of fear and greed? Am I giving what I am able to, what's within my means? Am I giving beyond my means? Or am I holding back? As you know, about two years ago, we were really challenged with sort of uh, financial problems here at our church. And uh, the reality is we were facing some pretty difficult things. But after a lot of hard decisions and a lot of hard work and a lot of difficulty, we came through that. And our church uh, is thriving. Things are going well because you guys gave generously. It was a wonderful thing to watch, to watch the people of God rise up and start to give. And it was wonderful. It's a fun thing to be a part of. Now, what we're realizing right now with our financial situation is that uh, giving has gone down a little bit over the last number of months. And at this point, though we're still in, in good shape financially, we're actually not at the point where we're probably going to meet budget this year. So it's something we have to think about. Maybe we need to think about how we're budgeting. Maybe we need to think about uh, what we're doing uh, ministry-wise. But also, all of us here, including myself, we need to sit back and say, how am I giving? Am I giving generously? Or am I withholding for some reason? Am I not able to give? And maybe that's your case. Maybe your situation is you're just simply not able to give. And if that's the case, we understand. Though I would still challenge you. Maybe think a little bit about how you could give. If the thing that's holding us back is fear, we have to remember the sort of God we serve. And the sort of God we serve doesn't ever withhold from us. And if we're following him and we're doing his will and we're giving generously, of course he's going to take care. He's not going to let us suffer. It's just something we have to think about, something we have to pray about. This fall, we're going to be really focusing in on discipleship. We're going to be talking about, uh, we're going to be starting a small group ministry. We've got a lot of exciting stuff lined up for this fall. And one of the things we need to think about going into the fall is how we as disciples at CLC give. How we are generous with our time, our talents, our treasures, and, and our testimony of our lives of what God is doing in and through us. So just some challenges for you today, some stuff for you to think about. But at the end of all of this, if we really want to start thinking about this faithfully, what we need to do is we need to see what the Macedonians did with the tools God placed in their hands. And they gave generously because they looked to Christ. They looked to the one who had given generously to them. They knew that everything Christ had given them was really truly his, and he had just entrusted it to them to use it for the furthering of his kingdom. Remember, this is what Jesus has done for you. He has given you everything you have for the furthering of his kingdom. What is more, he has given himself for you. He has purchased you with his blood. He saw you in your poverty. And he saved you and promised you all the riches of heaven. He has purchased you with his precious blood. You are saved because of the generosity and love of Jesus Christ. Amen. Let us pray. Father in heaven, we give you thanks that you provide for us our daily bread, and abundantly so. Help us, Lord, to be faithful with the tools and resources you have placed in our hands. Help us to serve you well with these things, for the advancement and growth of your kingdom. Lord, let your will be done through us in our church, and may your name be glorified in all that we do. In Jesus' name we pray.